0: Okay, we didn't overreact to the weird automated Zoom voice that tells us the meeting is being recorded, so that means welcome to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. My name is Mark, as it typically is. I am joined by James. We don't have a guest this week because we feel like we've had a lot of guests lately, and primarily this podcast is about indulging ourselves. And speaking of indulging ourselves, James has... Some not-so-secret-anymore news, but I'm going to throw to him now, and he's going to take us through a recent life update of his. How's it going, man?
1: Uh, Yeah, not bad, thanks. As you say, it's nice to get back to our roots, which is like (laughs) the signs of our own voices. So, yeah. Yeah. we're going to talk about whatever we want today, which is nice. We don't feel like we need to put on a front to like impress our guests. I, we're not doing, we haven't done the podcast equivalent of like tidying the house for people to come around so they don't know you live like this. But yeah, pretty good. Uh, as you alluded to, it's kind of out in the world now, obviously. But I'm no longer playing for a Connie Grand Canaria next year. Um, not, I don't have any good news about where I'm going or anything. I just, um, yeah, they made some changes or going in a slightly different direction. And yeah, I won't be there next year. I had two really, really fun years when I was actually there. Overall, I've had two absolutely terrible years because I've got sick twice and COVID happened. But like, um, <laughs> while I was out there, it was really, really cool. And it's a lovely place and it's a good setup. And the people there are absolutely incredible. And yeah, a lot of really good memories, and I'm very, very grateful for the people I met and played with when I was over there, and we had a really nice time, so shout out to those guys, and obviously wishing them the best of luck, um, apart from if I end up playing them some in some capacity next year, in which case I hope <laughs> they lose, but yeah, good group of guys out there and girls, and yeah, wish them all the best, and obviously disappointed to not be going back there, but good things yeah. come to an end apparently so uh bad things happen uh so <laughs> yeah um no, it's not yeah it's it is what it is man i'm just kind of yeah. got to figure it out this summer um but yeah we had had some some really fun stuff going on there we got very close to winning some things for brief periods of time and yeah a lot of fun good experiences awesome. linked a lot
0: and you kind of alluded to it a little bit there but you're obviously, I think you're say so you're at the stage of planning what your next move is at this point. So while I won't press you for any concrete details um, in case you've got anything cool going on behind the scenes, do you? This is probably a good chance for anyone who listens and maybe hasn't done this before, but I think in different capacities, maybe this is your first time doing it actually, but the kind of grind of figuring out where you're going to place yourself next season is pretty nuts and feels like you're on a helter skelter. So how's all that going currently? Slash, do you want to turn this bit of the podcast into an advert for any clubs that might be listening? Uh, yeah. Get at me. No,
1: I don't know if team presidents <laughs> listen to this podcast. God, God love them. If they do, they're probably, the, that's probably the list of teams that isn't going to get in touch, but <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, I don't have anything concrete. Um the way people get out there is either they stick their name on a list or they chat to their friends that are already on teams or play well and other team coaches get in touch with you and see what you're doing next season and i'm kind of just putting feelers out there chatting to people and trying to figure it all out um as i say um yeah free agent um imagine (laughs) if being on a podcast and being like get at me was actually how it how it worked um we got enough listeners
0: now. So someone must have. Someone must be listening. Who's like, "Hey, I know a team that could benefit from having this guy around, even if it's they're not in a position of power." I'm sure we could. Obviously, not that I'm saying you would struggle to get anywhere off your own back, but like, I imagine we have enough for a small network now that word would get around if it hasn't done already. Ah
1: god knows that's not what this is about this isn't no i'm saying like this isn't this podcast isn't a force for for evil and it's not even a force for good it's just (laughs) barely a force Uh, i'm just here to talk to myself but yeah don't know where i'll be next year looking forward to finding out is basically basically the crack
0: Well, when you find out, we'll um, make sure we get an episode in about it. Because if I remember correctly, two years ago when you ended up at Gran Canaria, we didn't even get the exclusive on it on our own podcast. So we'll be doing things a whole lot better this time around.
1: That's how good Dylan Cummings is. He got the exclusive (laughs) of my my own thing. Um, Yeah. Shout out to Dylan.
0: Yeah. Cool. Right. Shall we get into gear? Because we've basically missed out. Through, well not missed out because we've had good episodes featuring guests if you haven't listened to the um the duo of albacete episodes recently go back and check those out uh we've not covered nba and any nba stuff for a while apart from ben eulogizing dallas to great extent so shall we touch on what's going on playoff side since we last checked in
1: yeah let's do it um have you got some eulogizing to do about your Denver Nuggets?
0: I have. Um, okay.
1: We we yeah, talked yesterday okay. privately about whether Mark could dedicate the entire four hours we have planned left this month to the Denver <laughs> Nuggets season, and I think you could do it. You think so too?
0: I think I could. I won't, because if there's one thing to make sure we don't get listeners, that will be it. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. I was... Post-Aaron Gordon trade and post-nine-game winning streak or whatever it was for Denver, I was 100% convinced that I was picking Denver to win the title over anybody. Um, And it hasn't happened due to injuries and Phoenix peaking at the right time and having possibly the highest peak of anyone all year up to this point. Phoenix being
1: about that life.
0: Yeah, Um, and for all the talk there's been as kind of a lot of established guys have been knocked out in the first round, there's been a lot of, is this the season that the NBA sees the changing of the guard? But I think I can push back on that because it's death taxes and Jay Crowder and Torrey Craig making the conference finals in back-to-back years. Yeah,
1: Jay Crowder leading a team to the playoffs in (laughs) back-to-back years is fun. I remember talking about Jay Crowder at the time um, when we were talking about Miami's chances. And I was like, the problem is Trevor Ariza is not Jay Crowder. And also the problem is for the Suns is that Jay Crowder is not last year's bubble Jay Crowder. He shot like <laughs> 50% on threes, it felt like. And it feels like he's doing it again. And I don't know whether you just like get this weird intangible 15% bump in important games by just not caring at all about yeah, stuff but, like that but i wonder if he does because it seems to be like every shot that it's like "Ah, we really need this to go in he's like yeah don't worry about it i literally <laughs> couldn't care less like yeah i think the real tough guy thing and i don't know i love it i love it so much but i don't yeah. really get it because he's not that great
0: being not scared of the outcomes it, it's like the same thing dropping back to denver very <laughs> briefly, it must be like the same thing Austin Rivers has, except it seems to work for Jay Crowder, because Austin Rivers, you would think he'd never played against any other NBA players before, because he seems to play with no knowledge that he's, like, at best, a good backup point guard, and he's like, hey, Jokic, give it here, I'll run the offense on these ones. Um, But yeah, the Jay Crowder thing, I wonder if he has a secret facility that is outside of just hitting threes, because as far as I can tell, every team he joins in the last year or so, he seems to provide a bump come playoff time to his starting center, who turns into a beast because it was Bam last year. And now DeAndre Ayton's getting this year's Bam, not quite superstar, but oh man, this guy's the real deal turn.
1: Yeah. Like I think the credit for that's obviously going to go to Chris Paul, as maybe it should, but it's a lot more fun to accredit it to Jay Crowder. Also, I'm wrong. Jay Crowder shot 38.9% from three all year. And in the playoffs, he's shooting 38.2. So it's like almost identical. Wow. So he hasn't actually been that much better. It's he's just been pretty good all year, but I haven't cared as much apparently. Yeah. So me doing this research and redacting my statement <laughs> immediately after I say it is almost as good as me having looked this up before I said it, but we're getting there. It has been the feedback effect. loop is closing
0: in our defense, we didn't come on here knowing what we were going to talk about, so we can't be expected yeah. to research beforehand. Um No. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, even he, if we even if
1: we could be expected to, we're not. So yeah. don't expect it. Yeah. That's a
0: fair point. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> the, the Denver thing is tough because they're obviously with the injuries really sapped them with Jamal Murray, and I think they're still pretty good while being injured, but they came up against Phoenix who affect effectively the question of the whole playoffs was can Jokic keep being this good and can MPJ step up enough to be the second guy and Phoenix's two best defenders play the equivalent positions, I think. And they were probably the one team left that can guard Denver's best two guys straight up. Like Aiton against Jokic was awesome. Um, yeah, I think, at, sorry, God.
1: I think that's the thing with, Aiton and Jokic, where it's like you've got the MVP on your team and the third best player on the team you're playing, kind of played your MVP. Yeah, like even almost, near enough, nearly yeah. even, which is nuts. Like your your biggest window of advantage kind of closes when Aiton figures it out against Jokic for the first time, which is fair play to the kid, like fair play yeah. to the guy. But like that's that's tough. You, you, I, your your whole your whole thing is we have a chance if Jokic comes out here and absolutely just smashes it and then draws double teams and then we need to start helping lots. But no, nah.
0: yeah. And I think people forget because Aiton looks like he might be LeBron's dad, but Aiton is twenty two, and he's just Insane. figured out probably the smartest, at least the smartest big guy in the whole league, and thoroughly like. I would say playing Jokic to a draw is a win for basically anybody. Like, even if oh, you yeah. if you have a Denver and Philly series and Embiid plays Jokic to a draw, you'll probably just take that and hope you beat the rest of the game. Speaking oh, of yeah. which, can you imagine what it would do to Aiton's star power if we end up with the Suns and Philly finals and Aiton's able to play Embiid to a draw two series oh. after playing? Yeah, he might be the best big in the league at that point.
1: Well, you he, he, he might be able to play him to a draw now because he's playing on a torn meniscus, but you know.
0: Yeah. I Speaking of which, did you see the Philly and Atlanta game from last night, game four? Yes. Pretty rough. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, Although, like, that's the thing, like, Embiid's obviously just hurt at this stage now, like, they had a layup to win the game and he just couldn't get off the floor. Like, yeah. blew a layup because he just doesn't have any lift because his knee's knackered and it's like, Just there's an overarching theme in this playoffs where it's like me predicting the next four games for each team are based on, on like, will this guy be back on time or not? Like it went from, oh my God, Brooklyn are just absolutely like, so no, Brooklyn lost James Harden 15 seconds into the first game and then it didn't matter. And now they've lost Kyrie as well. So they went from two up, to two to to now like KD might need to have 50 for them they're to now, have any chance.
0: They're now in a best of three series against a team that's just got two straight wins and they're missing their second and third best player. <laughs> like it yeah. it seems ridiculous that the Nets season would be this um would be this kind of fragile at this point. But I also like I felt when Jamal Murray got injured for Denver, I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach for like three days solidly because I was so wounded about it. But yeah. I I don't think I'm like a massive karma person, but I also I find it really difficult to feel comparatively sorry for the Nets because it's like, hey, you tinkered around the entire regular season and sat your main guys out for two months at a time because you seem to think the regular season's beneath you. I have a hard time feeling that, sorry for you, when guys who took turns sitting out for months on end aren't ready to play when the games matter. Well,
1: I think it's like, I think it's actually, in my mind, it was the opposite. It was like, we're going to sit these guys out so they don't get hurt and then they got hurt anyway. Like if you're sitting Kyrie so that his knees are fine and then he stands on his ankle at a 90 degree angle, like, you know, like it doesn't matter if you arrested him in November, if he's just going to like, stand directly on the joint of his ankle coming down from a from a jump like that's the horrible thing like the hardened thing you rest him so that he doesn't do what happened and then it happened anyway but i wonder if some of it's like i don't know i'm not a physio obviously but like i wonder if he was in slightly better shape
0: yeah yeah that's i
1: don't know it's a tough one obviously they've got really really smart people Figuring it out, who've obviously been like, Yeah, you not you're not playing, but staying in decent enough shape, which we'll take control of, will be better for you in the playoffs. And some of it is just bad luck, but like now I'm looking at the Atlanta series as well, where it's like they could scrape through now because if Joel Embiid's actually more hurt than he seems, mm-hmm. that's bad news. Uh, Mike Conley still, as well.
0: Yeah, the Conley one's big now that momentum's swung. Um yeah but that said i actually think the the utah kind of three wings lineup with mitchell nominally playing point guard is probably better suited to play the clippers i feel like they would really struggle rolling out two six foot one guards against the clippers and maybe yeah, one of them of... has to defend Paul
1: George automatically. Yeah. Well, no, one of them probably ends up standing in, in the corner against Marcus Morris, which beats him into trying to play like Kobe, which is fun. But
0: Marcus Morris, <laughs> Kawhi and Paul George getting 30 each. And Marcus Morris, like, hey, don't worry, guys. I got this. I got a small guy on me. Yeah. Mar- Morris twins being the fakest tough guys possibly to ever play in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I. I don't really buy the Atlanta thing unless Embiid cannot play Um, just because I know they're it's an even series now at 2-2, but there's an element of Embiid was four from 21 last night, right? He had 17 points and 21 rebounds, which is kind of nuts considering he couldn't jump. Um, But Embiid was four from 21 Capella who's been guarding him this entire time had a double double himself and was still a minus five. And it's like, if Joel Embiid's getting up 20 shots, making four of them and your starting center still getting played off the floor by him. So they have to play Danilo Gallinari to space things out. I think you would have to have Embiid running at like 10% for the rest of the series for Atlanta. to actually pull it out or not playing us all, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, like they can still figure it out with like Ben Simmons. Tobias
1: Harris has been great. And yeah, the Tobias Harris is like in that perfect spot against a team that's under equipped, where it's like, hey, if you go down the line, someone who isn't able to stop him is going to have to try and stop him. Whereas if you come up against any real team, like if they get to Milwaukee, he's not going to look any good at all. But like, it's just like they don't have enough guys that are his height to figure it out.
0: Yeah, they don't. And if they get to Milwaukee and PJ Tucker's going to be coming into that series still freshly drenched in Kevin Durant's blood from the number of times he's... That game four was ridiculous, man. It felt like they should have had, like, a mobile steel cage just, like, encasing the two of them and rolling around on the floor with, like... PJ Tucker was doing I it felt so like a wrestling match. I was literally amazed he didn't pick up one of the chairs off the sideline and start like beating him with it when the referee wasn't looking. It was what really I awesome. wouldn't be surprised to see is
1: like there's been a lot of stuff posted. Obviously the Brooklyn Nets have put some of it out there, but like teams do this all the time about how how like loose the refs are raffing it and i could see them going back to brooklyn now and just pj tucker yeah. having four files in for th- three minutes yeah, like yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah there's a very good chance that happens i hope it do- i also think the nets might be depleted enough now that they just they can take pj's physicality off a little bit and they just double team kevin durant religiously and that, like, yeah. that's, what, that's what I'd do if I was coaching Milwaukee. I'd, you can legitimately afford a Giannis and PJ double team of Kevin Durant, which not many things slow down Kevin Durant, but that might be one of them.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Like, if you get the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands and those two other stars aren't playing, you're really being like, hey, Joe Harris, are you going to finally have a really good game in this series? And, like, he might. And that's the thing. Like, if you go... It's like you, you you don't actually ever have a game plan that's guaranteed to win you the game. If, if you're just like, okay, so we're going to help as much as we can towards Kevin Durant, but we're going to try and not help off Joe Harris because he's a dangerous man and he still can go off. Like, And if he has a mad game and you lose, like,
0: okay, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's um, my game plan, if I was Milwaukee, would be to just double-team KD and let Mike James try and run the offense because he's probably like, hey, now's my chance. Kevin Durant will see that he has to fit in around me and not the other way around. Yeah,
1: try and make it the Mike James-Bruce Brown show.
0: Yeah, because Mike James has been like, I cannot fault his confidence whatsoever, but he has been so confident at certain points that I get to the stage of wondering whether Steve Nash might try and sub himself in in Mike James's place and be like, hey, man, sometimes you just have to pass it around like this.
1: Yeah, just but, throw it from wing to wing. Yeah,
0: like, but yeah, I, I don't know,
1: like, we've seen these games before, and I don't know Kevin Durant a lot older than the last time I think we saw well, a couple of years older and, and, and an injury past the last time we saw it, but like, wouldn't like we've seen him be like, Oh, what? You need me to have 47, 12 and six. Okay, cool. But yeah. I don't know if he's done that against the team as defensively well equipped to deal with him as Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough. One. I think, i think it's already been ruled that harden and Kyrie are out for at least game five so yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if the bucks basically must be looking at each other and being like we just have to win this one and then we'll get one in the last two like the last thing I would want if I was the Bucks was to let kevin durant go supernova in game five and yeah. get up three two with potentially one of or both of harden and Kyrie coming back
1: yeah do you think it's just a case of like Steve Nash is like we like we just need one. We just need this yeah. like we come out strong here and yeah. like next quarter
0: wins the game. Yeah, it probably is that. It's um yeah, I have been kind of anti-nets since the whole thing came together. Not particularly because I disagree. I think loads of people are like oh it's not fair they get that many good players on the same team. Like, I don't agree with that because they've just made the roster work better than most teams have and they've reaped the benefits in being able to get Blake Griffin and then obviously Aldridge who can't play anymore and they seem to be the only NBA team who realised they could basically rent Mike James from Russia and that he's a good NBA player who some teams could benefit from. Yeah, I saw um, them being
1: like, people being like, what do you mean? Like, how can you how can you do this? And are like, hey, this has been available. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thing.
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, I mainly take exception to I like Kevin Durant's game I don't particularly like anything else about Kevin Durant um and I really didn't like the whole thing that they set up it was obviously him and Kyrie signing there a couple of off seasons ago and played like nine games together to see if it would work and it's like hey we think we should get James Harden in as well It's like, you're the guy who hated being on a super team in Golden State and now you're going to claim that it's okay because this one is yours, even though you didn't play the entire first year and the team was operating without you anyway. Um, And Kyrie had that press conference where he said that nobody had, you know, no one appreciated the vision that him and KD had had in putting this team together. And it's like, man nobody is giving you any extra credit for being like hey we're two top 10 to 15 players we could go to the same team get rid of the coach we want and then pull in that's not a vision that is like formula for making a good basketball team you've not reinvented the wheel there um and yeah i they're just a weird collection of guys who i find it very difficult to like and i was mainly hoping that the Lakers would stay in expressly for the purposes of being the team with the best shot to beat the Nets. And now the Lakers are out. So I'm just hoping the Nets don't roll through everybody else because I think it's bad for the NBA overall. If a team put together like this is the champion, like I'm prepared to be argued with on that, but I think it sucks.
1: Yeah. I, I I don't know. Like, I don't really have any strong opinions on who I want to be the champion, apart from the fact that I thought the Nets would be, and I want to be correct. But <laughs> what I would love is like the East side of the bracket to be like, ah, just what we thought, either Brooklyn or Milwaukee against Philadelphia and in the West to be Phoenix against Utah. Like yeah. that's just really funny to me being like these two absolute Titans on one out of a possible three um, whoever scrapes through between the Bucks and the Nets versus Philly who are hopefully going to figure it out and then the other end to be like what do you mean it's them too?" like the Battle of LA is happening somewhere in Cancun and these guys are just figuring it out like because <laughs> yeah. Phoenix and Utah has an unbelievable series of like really smart players who are well coached trying to adjust
0: yeah I think that the Phoenix and Utah potential Western Conference Finals actually gives it pushes back on what I think's been the theme for the last few years where it's like the regular season and the playoffs are two completely different sports virtually and I think yeah because that's been the case for the last few years especially with like Milwaukee who have been good in the regular season and not good in the playoffs I think if we get a Phoenix and Utah Western Conference Finals it lends some credibility to the idea of hey teams that are good in the regular season probably shouldn't just be overlooked because there's a very good chance that the two teams that finish with the best records in the Western Conference are actually the best teams in the Western Conference as mind-blowing as that sounds to say
1: yeah and it's like I don't know it's also just like these teams have there's a weird thing of like the whole thing with Utah was like they're just going to like grind you down and play the exact same way all the time and make you chase 17 passes around the perimeter before they make an open three. And they're like, yeah, but when it really boils down to it and like the defense dials in, does it still work? Yeah, it still works. Like they make enough threes. Like it's not like the whole thing was like random guys who made threes. And (laughs) now it's like no 40% three point shooters are making threes. Like that's the difference.
0: Yeah, and I think the um, people kind of gave Donovan Mitchell almost what's become the Giannis treatment at this point. Well, oh, can he create shots in the playoffs? And it's like they get the pick and roll on every possession, like regardless of how tight the game is or how you know the pressures around the shot clock or whether you're switching or not, they're still running a Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell pick and roll, and they're still putting you into a road. There's almost nothing you can do to get out of rotation against them. So at that point, it doesn't matter a huge amount whether they can create isolation shots because they've proven they don't need to. Yeah, the only thing that's happened,
1: like in the games that LA have won, there's been a bit more, okay, like we're going to switch this flat out and worst case scenario, we're going to stick with Marcus Morris defending Donovan Mitchell in one-on-ones and like doing that for seven games is hard work. But like... I almost think that if they can get through the Clippers here, it's an easier task against the Suns because they're not gonna take Ayton off the floor. Yeah. And if they do, he's going to be matched up on Frank Kaminsky or Dario Saric, which is <laughs> once again also quite an easy thing to do. So I think Donovan Mitchell will get whatever he wants in the next series, but it's just can you get through two more games of Kawhi deciding that he wants to win and being like, "I'm yeah. gonna do whatever."
0: Yeah, they I think the Kawhi thing is like, if you're ever on your laptop and you just have to, if you're not plugged in or whatever, and it's like, "Do you want to switch to battery saving mode?" Yes, knock it back, and the laptop kind of slows down for a bit. And I wonder if the Clippers have that equivalent switch with Kawhi, where they're like, "Okay, performance mode, make things work quickly and effectively," and Kawhi's like, re- register. Away we go. Yeah.
1: Like, I wonder, because he's getting a bit older now, I wonder if he does the same thing as, like, my laptop yesterday. I forgot that I left Zoom open and apparently that's hard work for my laptop because it sounded like it was about to take off. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that happens when Kawhi gets into a fourth quarter and they're putting a lot of stress on him. He's defending Donovan Mitchell on one end and running pick and rolls and running ISOs on the other end. You just hear him, like, whirring in the background when he's in timeouts (laughs) because, God, it must be hard. And it's like, there's a weird thing of, like, we don't want to make him do all of this until he has to. And you're like, yeah, but just make him do it four times from the beginning instead of making him not do yeah. it. And then being like, oh yeah, like you should have learned last time. Two yeah. games in, two games in this young guy who was busting everyone else who tried to defend him. You put Kawhi on him. Kawhi figured it out and slowed him down. Like, yeah, and then you were like, hmm, this guy's worse than Doncic. Should we do the same thing?
0: Uh, I think it, he is... There's no question Mitchell's not as good as Doncic, but I think Mitchell's almost a unique problem in that switching kind of accounts for everybody on the floor's got relatively equal chance to each other to defend up and down the spectrum. But switching doesn't really count for the extreme cases. Like, you can't switch against Embiid because he'll mash you. And yeah, I, I think you saw it in the OKC and Houston series that was in the first round last year where Houston obviously just have a load of similar sized guys who switch and they're like, oh, we can handle the post-ups or whatever because we're all big and strong enough, but you also, nobody in your switching unit is quick enough to defend Dennis Schroeder and Donovan Mitchell's almost like a he's obviously a million times better than Dennis Schroeder, but that's like kind of the model where yeah, you might all be equally um, kind of balanced in who you can guard, but it probably doesn't cater for either extreme end of the spectrum, speed or size-wise. And I think that's yeah. Mitchell's advantage compared to Luca.
1: Yeah, if you have one attribute that's off the charts. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter if this guy's, like, the same height as you and blah, blah, blah. But, like, yeah, doesn't really matter. It's the thing of, like these guys that are the same height as Luca, trying to defend him and being like, this guy's just putting me in the basket. That's completely yeah. insane. Or like when you try and match up with Kawhi or LeBron and it's like, you can either be as fast or as strong as one of these guys and you, very rarely can you be both. It's like, yeah. yeah, you need to find a sort of... If you had someone who had that mix of those two things, he'd probably be Donovan Mitchell. Like he'd be as good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's It's really, really, really refreshing to see one side of the bracket being like young guys who the question mark over them was like, ah, will this really work? Can they figure this out in the highest level? And being like, yeah. One of them being because Utah had this long-term, they haven't really changed a whole lot, but they play the same way. But it was like, it's going to work. Trust me, it's going to work. If it comes together, it'll work. And it actually is coming together. And the other team in Phoenix being like, we have a group of young guys that if they had a bit of experience and know how they'd be able to put a good run together. And then you had Chris Paul being like, he has the experience and know how if you can just stay healthy and be surrounded by the right guys, I think he can really help a team and you put both of those together. Like he's doing what he did with Oklahoma, but instead of bringing a team from a zero to a five, he's bringing them from a five to a 10. And it's really, really fun to see.
0: I think that's it. But, I think people have maybe it's an overreaction from getting the sweep and stuff, but people have been like, oh, it's you know, it's all in the wisdom and the know how of Chris Paul that he's imparting to these young guys. It's like, hang on, he had 37 points on 19 shots, and across four games, I think he missed two shots in the fourth quarter and he had 45 assists to five turnovers or whatever the ratio was. And it's like, you can't, yeah. people are almost talking about. Um, Paul's kind of intangible impacts as if he's Eudonis Haslam. And it's like he's he's getting like legit all-star production himself in the Denver series at least. And he managed to completely control the last three games of the Lakers series, even though he was playing with one shoulder and one arm basically bandaged behind his back. Yeah. Uh, it's like, that. please... While I appreciate he does bring all the intangibles, don't reduce it to that's what he is, because like if that was the case, they could pull Andre Miller out of retirement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, just Chris Paul for like three or four years of people being like, I don't know, like he's he's getting older, but he's still got the know-how. And he's like, Yeah, I can also get wherever I want when it matters. Still, yeah. like, have you seen the seen the video in i think it was game three against denver of him on the left wing and austin rivers was on the denver bench behind him and he like pretended to do the crossover that he knew chris paul was going to do about <laughs> half a second before he like he was just like without a ball in his hands obviously sitting on the yeah. bench just going left right left and then did that big snatched crossover step back yeah and like did it. it. it was like the andre drummond lebron post up but like uh, the opposite, where he was like, I can't, I can't stop yeah. this guy myself, but I knew exactly what he's gonna do. But it's just amazing to see a 36 year 36 or 37-year-old six foot one guy be like, as long as I get here, I'm fine. It's yeah. like I the think, I think you're like the circles that you generous. have on court. Sorry, go on.
0: Uh, so, so I think you're potentially even being generous with the um six foot one listing there. <laughs> I think it's oh, legitimately yeah. shorter than that.
1: Yeah, it's wild. It's just like the like the right elbow on the crossover for him is like when you get to the circle in the middle of the court with NBA jam and you're able to dunk from like 40 feet out. It's just, if he gets here, it's bucket. Like it's, it's, it's just automatic. And it's so much fun to watch. Also, Devin Booker has like taken the leap, not yeah. even a bit of a leap. Like he is now like a bad, bad man when it actually matters.
0: Yeah. We spoke about this a little bit in our WhatsApp the other night, but Devin Booker is officially my Brandon Roy replacement Although nobody yes. will ever replace Brandon Roy, and probably no one listening to this really cares a great deal about Brandon Roy, or at least not as much as I did. But yeah, from the factory of if you had to design and print three D print a shooting guard with all the optimal attributes, here's your guy. Brandon Roy was awesome, but obviously injuries cut him down. And yeah, Devin Booker is like the has the Brandon Roy spirit animal thing going on. And yeah, he's wicked. And I think I legitimately now have questions about, would you rather have Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell, which I never had up to this point because I've seen Mitchell do it in the playoffs to some extent prior to this.
1: Yeah. I think that's the thing where I'd always thought that Devin Booker had a bit more of a, like a, he's a little taller. He's a bit stronger, like, He's strong as hell. I think he kind of yeah. like acts a bit softer. Maybe people thought he wasn't, or people, maybe I just didn't watch him enough, but like, yeah. I always thought he was a bit softer than he is, and man, that guy is a strong, strong man for the size of him, and so he's always had the skill level that if he put it together, I think he's more of a dependable like archetype of a player, but both unbelievable obviously, just like but it's, it's just been so much fun to see him actually do it because you're kind of just waiting for these guys. And there's so many guys that it's like, if they just take a leap by the time they get to this point in their career and it kind of comes and goes and they're 27 and they've never done it. And it's like, yeah. it's just super nice to be like, oh, he's here. And like, it's actually happening.
0: Yeah. The, so we just did the, well, I just brought up the Booker versus Mitchell thing. If we say, for example, that the two of them are exactly even, if we are starting the playoffs today and we have to create a team around one shooting guard, do you take James Harden ahead of either Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell?
1: Um, is he healthy? At yeah. Let's, let, let's
0: say everybody's healthy.
1: Uh, I think so. I still think he's like okay. It's like the way I would describe it is what you're projecting Donovan Mitchell and um, Devin Booker forward yeah. to is like, can they do enough of what James Harden just absolutely gives you all the time? Except, I don't know.
0: In the playoffs.
1: <laughs> yeah, except he's, he's not shown it yet. But like, he's still done more in the playoffs than either of these guys have yeah. up until up until right now, like See, I, whichever I, of these teams actually gets all the way. Like if either one of these teams makes it to the finals, they've officially done more than James Harden, yeah. which is a so lot it's, to say, but
0: this is my, that was my thinking is these, those guys are obviously so young and I honestly gun to my head. I don't know if I could list James Harden having more like, Booker had the 47 point closeout of the Lakers and in like his sixth playoff game ever and he manhandled Denver and outplayed the reigning MVP from a production standpoint. Yeah. I don't know if James Harden has more playoff moments than Booker or Mitchell. I re- I get that he's made the playoffs more consistently and won various rounds and stuff but in terms of James Harden coming into a series and being like all right this is mine now. I don't know James Harden has that where I feel like Mitchell had from his very first year and then Mitchell had obviously the battle with Jamal Murray last year. Yeah,
1: oh, that was so much fun. Oh man.
0: I don't know if James Harden has that.
1: Yeah, well, we haven't seen it all the way, which is the thing, but like I, until, like as I say, like as soon as one of these guys gets to the finals, it's like, okay, they've actually done more in the playoffs running a team than James Harden. So then that's the conversation I'll have. But like, I don't know. I just think James Harden is still such like at such an elite level, sort of singularly in terms of being able to be like put the ball in his hands here, give him these pieces, and he'll figure it out. But I don't know. As you say, he's kind of fallen short in the playoffs so far. But these guys haven't gotten to where he fell short yet. I don't think.
0: Fair enough. I'll take that. I don't know.
1: It's it's tough, but. Yeah, like I can see it in a couple of years. Like one of these guys, one of these guys might have a ring in a couple of years. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, what are we, what is, what is greatness if not towards winning?
0: Yeah. And as you say about Harden having the piece around him or whatever, you can maybe say this is better roster construction on either side. But if we get a Phoenix and Utah Western Conference finals, I don't see either of those teams missing 27 threes in a row.
1: No. Um. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. But I also don't think they. I. I think they're just well, like way better put together. Like, yeah, I. I think that's. I don't know. I like, could you see? Put James Harden in either of those teams.
0: Well, you can't put him on Phoenix because him and Chris Paul don't get on.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, <laughs> but. Like if you put him, if you have him, Rudy Gobert pick and roll, and he's surrounded by three absolute lights out, legitimate three point shooters, like I think they, I think they get some some work
0: done. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, last question I have on the Phoenix front: What's DeAndre Ayton's ceiling?
1: DeAndre Ayton's ceiling, it's All Star, like for sure. But like I don't know if it's higher than that.
0: Yeah. All NBA, I,
1: all NBA first team is in there for him. But
0: yeah, see, I I admit I didn't watch a huge amount of Phoenix this year because they got to the point of being so metronomic that it was like unless they were playing the Lakers or the Bucks or somebody top tier, they were basically just beating everybody, like every second tier team, they were just manhandling. Yeah. And um Yeah, I kind of, from what I'd seen of Aiton, I'd topped him out as whatever tier of centers you want to call the Sabonis, Nurkic, Valanchunis, old school bigs tier. I'd kind of... Yes, like sort of number two. Yeah, I'd plopped Aiton in there, potentially at the top of that, because I think he's maybe better defensively than any of those guys. But I, like, it could be a real conversation. He was pretty
1: bad on defense last year.
0: Last year, as in last season, or as in the regular season prior to these playoffs? Uh, last season. The start of this season, he's been... He's taken a
1: step from maybe the worst defender at the centre position in the league to,
0: like, OK. Which hey, is you, fine, honestly. You, you leave Ennis Cantor's title alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I, I had him kind of maybe... Fringe all star Sabonis tier, but I think there's going to come a point he could be like a top five center in the league at this point, probably. I think, like, considering the jump Bam had, and Bam seems to have come back to earth a little bit, even if the same thing happens for and I don't know a hundred percent whether I'd rather have Bam than him at this point. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty crazy situation to be in. Um. But yeah it's I don't know man it's interesting the turnaround on him has been so wild and considering that he was picked first by Phoenix and I was at that point I was like why a Luca should have been the top pick in that draft but I didn't even think um Aiton was the top big because I thought someone should have taken Jaron Jackson before Aiton ever got off the board. Looks like I'm wrong so far on that one and it certainly looks like I'm right on Aiden being better than Marvin Bagley, but I don't feel like I can take too much of a victory lap on that.
1: No, there's there's not a whole lot in that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think if he, he can kind of move his feet a little bit better on defense, he can have a real impact there because he's massive and he's strong, And but he's, he's never going to be Rudy Gobert, and that's a real obviously not being Rudy bear is nothing to to sort of turn your nose up at because no one is. But like yeah. he's not like that's the most important position on the floor in terms of how your team defense is gonna hold up long term. And that might be an issue unless you surround him with a load of defensive talent. But I think offensively, like he's figuring it out slowly but surely, but like could you see him being bam on offense
0: um i don't know because i don't i think as long as he plays with booker they don't need that from him and i they definitely don't while chris paul's around i don't know how long chris paul's going to be in phoenix so potentially there's some room for growth if they need more playmaking um Yeah. yeah i don't know i think he's I think there's like a real chance that Aiton is what Andre Drummond was always meant to be, which oh yeah. sounds, sounds ridiculous because it's like, hey, man, we're probably not going to throw you the ball in the post a huge amount, but do big man stuff and get yourself easy shots and actually be good at finishing them and don't want to take stupid finger rolls the entire time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think if we go to put another lens on it, Another big who is a former number one as well, who is supremely offensively talented and has amounted to almost zero success. Would you rather have Aiton or Carl Anthony Towns going forward?
1: I don't know. Um, there's a weird thing of like Ayton having gotten to a place in the playoffs that Carl Anthony Towns hasn't doesn't mean that we should misattribute credit like he's still third in line in terms of people who are actually in charge of getting Phoenix to where they've gotten to but I think Towns is a more talented player but so I think I'd probably still go Towns but I think this is the thing of the same thing you offered me with Harden where it's like I think we're premature on hopping over
0: yeah, that might be fair. I think the best way I can frame it for myself is that Aiton being able to have an impact in the two playoff series so far, considering those his matchups have been AD and Jokic, and he's kind of played both to at least a draw, has been noteworthy and very impressive. Like If Carl Anthony Towns, given his defensive limitations in spite of his offensive talent, if he played either of those guys to a draw, they wouldn't hang around to see what the championship pitch was looking like in minnesota they'd be throwing a parade like in the city if he held jokic to anything below 30 points in any of four games like they would they'd be prematurely celebrating that and yeah i think towns is good talent wise and he's obviously a good offensive player but i i don't know i'm so much more convinced by the fact that they've put good players around Ayton and he's kind of materialized into what he was meant to be, whereas Carl Anthony Towns' best stint ever was when they gave him Jimmy Butler for a year. They made the playoffs, and he got thoroughly outplayed by Clint Capella, and then Jimmy Butler left, (laughs) and it turned out that Cat wasn't good enough to carry the team anymore. And that was even
1: with
0: with Jimmy Butler being traded for Saric and Covington, who aren't Jimmy Butler but are good NBA players like and you I don't think you can argue with that
1: yeah so yeah it's a weird thing of like getting it getting it done is hard to like actually winning is hard to hard to argue with
0: yeah yeah I'm going eight and over Towns and until yeah until the Timberwolves make the playoffs with Towns not being a liability in whatever series he comes up with I will struggle to be convinced otherwise so if I'm wrong so be it but I'll go with the big guy who looks like he can take the verbal abuse from Chris Paul and use it constructively rather than the guy who took the verbal abuse from Jimmy Butler and was sad and unproductive
1: yeah Carl Anthony Towns has also had an absolutely horrible time over these last couple of years but that's not to say that he wasn't like it's not to say that he was getting it done before then either. Like
0: no, he wasn't. And most importantly, he couldn't even find his way to being the alpha on the team where the second best player was Andrew Wiggins. So anyway, this has turned into Carl Anthony Town slander, so we'll get off this. Yes, it has. You're right. Uh, <laughs> but that's but so how
1: can you see the other how do you see the other series ending up? What's your call for no not even the other series, what's your call for the next game in each series
0: right um i'm gonna say milwaukee get game five because i think that's the only way that the series really extends and i don't want to think about the idea of um the bucks trying to win two straight games against the nets because i don't feel like they've got it in them again so i'm gonna go milwaukee game five for that series i'm gonna go Ugh, the Atlanta and Philly one's tough. I'm going to say Atlanta for game five and then see what Philly's made of for the last two games. And to yeah. be honest, we've just kind of waxed about how good Utah are, but I think the Clippers have figured them out to some extent. I'm going to go Clippers in game five of that one as well. Yeah.
1: I might go Utah. There's a really funny thing of like these series has been like, ah, Brooklyn have won two games in a row. Is the series over? And then it's like, oh, they've just won their home games, which is like, I think because there was no home advantage last year at all, we've forgotten that it's a thing where it's like, ah, this team won two games. Oh, this team's won too. They're right back in it. And you're yeah. like, we had one year break from that being what you're meant to do. Yeah. And we're all like, what's going on here? And it's <laughs> it's a weird one, like, but it's I just I kind of thought about that today where I'm like, all that we're like, everyone's freaking out when all that's happened are the teams that are meant to win their games or winning their games in all <laughs> but the Philly series. Like
0: Yeah, it is a weird one. Um yeah, I just I don't know. The Clippers one's weird because how, how are they, how has it been two series in a row where they've started big and then lost their first two games and then be like, oh, we should just play our small ball lineup because that's our best lineup. And they've won two games back. Like, would it surprise you at this point if the Clippers just stuck to that lineup and rolled through Utah for two more games? No, I think they're absolutely going to. Ever since they started Zubats
1: and Donovan Mitchell scored 10 points in three minutes, they're like, (laughs) It was actually 10 points in three minutes, wasn't it? He was just yeah. like, Come here. Did that yeah. thing where he was like, takes one dribble off a pick, but the pick set high enough that he's still behind the three point line. He's just like, I'm going to keep shooting this until you get all the way up on me, and then I'm going to go <laughs> past you. And it's like the thing of, Okay, here's my counter. Here's my first one. I'm just going to pull it. Here's, okay, second one. You step a little bit further up. I'm going to take you all the way to the basket. Okay, next one. You're afraid of me taking you all the way to the basket. I'm going to just pull it again.
0: It's like, what do you do, man? Has anyone's confidence been more rocked in these playoffs so far than Zubat's?
1: Uh, I would say there's been a couple that should have been, but maybe they're too. Like Rondo (laughs) played 28 minutes in game one and zero in game two. So I wonder, like, should he be feeling bad?
0: I don't think think Rondo works like that, does he? Mind you, Zubats is Eastern European. Maybe they don't feel like a crisis of confidence or anything. They're just business-like at all times. Yeah,
1: he might not be too fast. I don't know how Uh, how that works.
0: Okay, so we've said what we think is going to happen for the next game of each series. If you had to pick your favourite to win the title right now, who are you taking?
1: it's funny because any of the answers I've had throughout the season are probably not my answer right now Yeah, because it's like nets until we know who's healthy can't be them is it the Clippers again?
0: (laughs) no Um, I'm I'm not putting any faith in a team that has gone down 0-2 twice by making the same mistake in two consecutive series
1: I was listening to I was listening to a podcast today and someone was like, what would it take for you to be like, oh, I don't know, these clippers are actually for real and like <laughs> stop questioning them. And someone was like, I could be at their championship parade, being like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I just I don't trust this. Yeah. Which is amazing. But I don't know. Um it's not Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee's the same. I'm like, I don't trust you. Um but i I'd, I'd say the clippers right now, which is nuts because until until we until we get some sort of clarity on the health of the Nets stars, I think I'd go there. Yeah. What about you?
0: I'm saying we're going to have a Phoenix and Milwaukee final. I'd love it. And, yeah, because That'd I be think... That'd be so th- weird.
1: That'd be so weird.
0: I think the roadmap is that Milwaukee wins game five. They are able to then get either game six or game seven. Yeah, that's active. the thing, this
1: next one. It's like you don't need to win like winning two out of three is one thing, but it's like you win this next one. And then it's like the amount of games you have to mess up. Yeah. Gets short. Yeah.
0: I think they potentially beat Philly if MB's not hundred percent. Although I don't know if MB doesn't hundred percent. I think that series should just be decided on a Giannis versus Ben Simmons free throw shootout. And it yes. might be the no worst, time TV ra- worst TV ratings ever. Um, I think on the other side, the Clippers and Phoenix series. Well, let's say if Utah gets through to the conference finals, Chris Paul has murdered Rudy Gobert on various occasions, and I don't see any reason it would be different this time. Um, And, yeah, if they get the Clippers, the Clippers will go back to starting Zubats again, and Chris Paul will humiliate Zubats for two games, and then they will be like, oh, right, we'll go with our small lineup. And then... I think Ayton's probably uniquely positioned to do some damage to their small lineup versus the teams that the Clippers have played so far.
1: Yeah, um, so.
0: And then, yeah, it's going to be Milwaukee and Phoenix, and I think I'd pick Phoenix at that point.
1: That's so much fun. If Phoenix if Phoenix managed to get all the way there, they need to send flowers to the Clippers for, like, tanking and setting the bracket up the way it's been set up, because it's There's some weird stuff that went on there. Obviously, they're doing all this tanking to get into Luca. This is a bad move. It's a bad mistake.
0: Yeah, I like I said earlier on, I don't believe in karma, but I do believe in trying to be too smart and getting yourself a date with a guy who very nearly beat you by himself. And yeah, and then not
1: learning from that, not being like, hey, the only reason we got through this is because we finally put our ex defensive player of the year on their number
0: one guy like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's um it's all a shambles but i yeah i think phoenix have looked like the most convincing team all year which is we're kind of touching on what we said earlier it's mad that it's taken us up until this point to just accept that they're as good as they've looked for basically the entire season yeah so that simple you heard it here first or probably not first at this point but Suns might be the bench units pick to win the titles. It's so much fun that it's like Phoenix are probably just being like, I don't know,
1: maybe it could happen, you know, and they're (laughs) going to just, I don't know, maybe you never know what could happen. It all the way to potentially the finals. I just want to see Phoenix, Utah, Western Conference finals. That's all I want from this. Like anything else around it can figure itself
0: out. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Right, shall we get out of here? I think we've covered everything, unless you've got any burning points to make. I don't, never Wait. do. So,
1: grand, yeah, this was right. fun. It was nice to kind of just put our NBA thoughts down on record for the first time yeah. in a minute.
0: Yeah, it was. So let's get no more guests in for the foreseeable future.
1: Correct, unless we can get someone just off the back of winning an NBA
0: wow. championship. That is true. Oh, actually, we've um, got an agreement with the bench units follower that if the Bucks win in six, they'll be our next guest. So that could well happen.
1: It could happen. You never know. Um, so, probably not. I, probably. I don't see it, but I'd kind of like it too for the sake of that. Yeah,
0: we'll leave it on that tease. Right. Thank All you right. for listening, everybody. Take it easy. Peace Thanks. Out. Bye-bye. Bye.